Hello and welcome to another episode of Virtual Legality. I'm your host, Richard Hogue, managing member of the Hogue Law Business Law Firm of Northville, Michigan, here today to talk to you about video streaming. Not YouTube, of course, even though we do talk about that a lot in this space. Instead, we're going to be talking about Amazon's streaming platform, predominantly about video games, but not always, as we've also talked about, and that is, of course, Twitch. Now, we've got two major stories to talk about today, one of which we're going to be talking about a little less than the other. That first one is about Twitch banning gambling sites, kind of. you got to read between the lines on what Twitch has announced there. The second of which I think is probably far more important and that you should be paying attention to if you're either a Twitch streamer or a Twitch fan, and that is that Twitch is cutting off the top of the revenue share for some of its most lucrative Twitch streamers. That's important because, well, we'll talk about it when we get there, but let's start at the top with gambling. Kotaku actually framed this very well, I think. They put in their headline, Twitch bans major gambling sites after streamers threaten strike. When the situation involves personalities like XQC, Pokemon, Mizkif, and Trainwreck, well, it's no wonder Twitch moved fast against sites like Stake. It's been a rough 24 hours for people broadcasting in purple after a scandal broke that a Twitch streamer had been scamming viewers and peers alike out of an alleged $200,000 to fund a Counter-Strike global offensive addiction. Top personalities started exerting pressure on the live streaming company to do something about the larger underlying problem, which is all of gambling, I guess, maybe? Gambling, many have been arguing for a while now, has become a scourge on the platform as a number of rich creators promoted potentially harmful content to young, impressionable fans. Now, that in and of itself probably doesn't relate to anybody scamming money for Counter-Strike Global Offensive, but it was a fine time for Twitch to act. Again, giving credit to Kotaku where it's due, I think they frame what this was all about very well in an article they wrote in the summer of last year where they say over the course of the past few months, again referring to 2021, gambling has become a popular pastime of Twitch's upper echelon, with streamers like XQC, Trainrex, and Adam Ross getting in on the action. Legal gambling is allowed on Twitch, with the site sporting official sections for slots and poker. In many cases, gambling streams are the result of sponsorships from companies with plentiful skin in the game, who often provide streamers with referral codes and currency to blow during broadcast. While streamers are required to disclose sponsored ads, they do not always know that they're being given money with which to gamble, which, just off the top here, as a lawyer, would appear to be a potential Federal Trade Commission kind of disclosure problem, because anytime you get anything of value to do anything, you're supposed to announce it, not just for ads specifically, but anything that might relate to what you are saying out there in the world, endorsement or otherwise. They proceed to sink hundreds of thousands of dollars into slot machines on sites like Stake, a self-described Bitcoin casino whose terms of service prohibit U.S.-based users from participating due to gambling laws. However, some users get around this by using VPNs. Big money streams make for tense viewing punctuated by the odd $400,000 payout, but also content that is fairly straightforwardly advertorial in nature. In short, gambling streams provide streamers with high-stakes broadcasts and gambling companies with long-form ads watched by thousands or hundreds of thousands of viewers. Now, one does wonder from the Kotaku description here exactly where we make the distinction between playing something and advertising it. And maybe gambling is just simply where you make that distinction. Reasonable minds can differ on that score. But as a rule, if you're streaming a video game, you are advertising something about it. Honestly, that's how major video game successes have happened time and time again over the past few years. Would anybody know about Among Us 
if it wasn't streamed massively during the pandemic years. I would argue if it's not nobody, it's a lot fewer people than know about it now. So it's always got a bit of advertisement built in, but certainly Kotaku makes a good point that you should be disclosing anything that has been given to you to incentivize you to do that advertising. The last part is a big point of contention among streamers. Gambling can be addictive, not to mention illegal in some places. Advertising gambling websites means implicitly encouraging people to gamble. This has resulted in months of criticism directed at the likes of the people that do it on the service. Now, again, in terms of a slippery slope, one thing that you probably want to worry about is that regulators sometimes look at video games themselves as potentially addictive and something worthy of regulation. And if you're in the business of being Twitch, well, we've already talked about the licensing issues you might have in the end user license agreements from a host of these companies and whether or not the people that are actually streaming them have the licensed rights to do so. Well, if you throw on regulatory powers that could potentially prevent people from playing games or who can see people playing games, well, you are asking for trouble using this line of logic. We also have a quote here at the end uh, from Pokemon, and I know I always get that pronunciation wrong. It's always corrected in the comments. Please leave your comments below. Let's be honest. If you're getting an offer from a casino sponsorship, you're already a multimillionaire. Said as only a multimillionaire could. You need to be a multi-multi-millionaire. I feel like once you get to a certain point of wealth, you have so many options available to you to generate more income. Like you are so insanely privileged, even just investing properly. Not even looking at what you're investing in and putting it in random Vanguard whatever fund and letting it sit. You're making free money. Probably not in 2022, but I digress. I feel like it would be a good idea for people to sit down at that point and be like, what am I okay with doing? What is ethically or morally maybe just not worth it? Which is absolutely, totally fine to say, people, you should be questioning whether you should do this. And I have no problem with pressure on these kinds of things. When we get to banning, it starts to become more of an issue because that graduates from, you should think about what you're doing. And if you decide that it's okay, well, I don't agree and I'm gonna have it banned. And that's a little bit about what happened in the past few days, but not really, right? Because we can take a look at what Twitch wound up actually saying here. And even though it's described in Kotaku headlines as Twitch bans major game gambling sites, yeah, maybe, maybe they did. They certainly aimed at a few of the ones that are named in the Kotaku article. So let's read what Twitch has to say. Gambling content on Twitch has been a big topic of discussion in the community and something we've been actively reviewing since our last policy update in this area. Now, the part of the Kotaku article that I skipped a little bit is the numbers. And certainly with Twitch participating and having mass amounts of people on its service, Twitch has a vested interest in having things that are successful stay on their platform service. They get paid when you get paid. They will so delightfully say when we're talking about them cutting the legs off the higher end contracts in just a little bit. Today, we want to update you on our plans. While we prohibit sharing links or referral codes to all sites that include slots, roulette, or dice games, we've seen some people circumvent those rules and expose our community to potential harm. So they've taken the concept of gambling on the whole is bad and you're showing it to kids and that's bad, and they have instead split it off into specific dangers from links and slots roulette and dice games and not other things. So they're already slicing the onion very thinly. Let's see what they do in the second paragraph. So we'll be making a policy update on October 18th to prohibit streaming of gambling sites that include slots roulette, slots roulette or dice games that aren't licensed either in the US or other jurisdictions that provide sufficient consumer protection. Do you have any definitions for that for us, Twitch? What is a jurisdiction that provides sufficient consumer protection and what is one that is not? 
Instead, what they do is probably the worst thing that you can do with what is set up to be an umbrella type sounding policy, which is then they start naming names about who's not within it while then just reserving the right to potentially add to that list in the future. These sites will include stake.com, rollbit.com, dualbits.com, and rubet.com. Okay. However, we may identify others as we move forward. So you're going to decide when somebody has sufficient consumer protection. You're going to allow things that are licensed in the U.S. as if the U.S. were the arbiters of what is good gambling laws and not. Sorry, folks, we just aren't. And then you're going to provide what amounts to a blacklist that is subject to change based on parameters we don't know because we're against gambling, but not really. Did I get that right, Twitch, give or take? We will continue to allow websites that focus on sports betting, fantasy sports, and poker because those aren't problematic at all. We'll share specifics on the updates to our gambling policy soon. These are not those specifics. We're just getting this out in front of you for reasons, including the full policy language to make sure everyone is clear on our new rules before they take effect on October 18th. So this announcement goes up on September 20th. They give about 30 days of a heads up on this and they get some positive press for acting against gambling. And I think we can all agree we don't want kids gambling in general. Honestly, I don't want adults gambling for the most part, but that's up to them and not up to me. And we can't just treat internet platforms as if they are only for impressionable kids. And Twitch makes a lot of money, so you get the kind of mealy-mouthed, middle-of-the-road, not really doing what people wanted, but they can still declare victory like we did see Pokemon do in her Twitter. And what did we really accomplish? I'd argue nothing. I'd argue nothing on this except for the identification of these particular sites, which presumably can have a corporate subsidiary that does exactly the same thing in either a different jurisdiction or just under a different name and get out from a blacklist because, well, they're making a lot of money and that's exactly what they're likely to do. So Twitch, there you go. But as I said, this is only the first part of this video because Twitch is making changes and they all appear to relate to the business model of Twitch itself. So let's talk about that. Twitch, in a post this morning, said, in our latest blog post, we tackle a topic that's been at the forefront of the community for some time, the rev split. Now, I know Twitter, you need to get your words in in shorthand that has a character limit and everything, but probably you could afford to spell the whole word revenue here. Not sure you want to actually play too loosey-goosey with referring to people's livelihoods, but that's up to you, Twitch. We also provide a related update around monetization for a subset of partners. As it turns out, it's the most lucrative partners to Twitch. So they're making choices here, folks. Now, you saw this actually referenced, if you are on Twitter, if you are on social media, by some fairly prominent Twitch voices who say things like, my opinion, Twitch is operating on borrowed time from Zach Busey or from Devin Nash. More alarming in this post is Twitch saying they can't afford to run the website. Wow. This is quite the announcement, and it is exactly the kind of announcement that we are built to talk about here in virtual legality. Now, I do have to offer my apologize for whatever reason. The Twitch blog here has proved impervious to our highlighting technology, so we'll just have to talk through it together. But we talk through it, we will. Hello, Twitch community. I'm Dan Clancy, president of Twitch and responsible for the day-to-day operations of the service. FYI, this blog is targeted to streamers, but everyone is, of course, welcome to read along with us. Thank you. Thank you for the permission. I really appreciate it. It's funny. One of the things that you learn when you're doing messaging is that you have to be careful with language like this because everyone is, of course, welcome. Sounds like you're a gatekeeper. Sounds like you're giving permission to somebody and it immediately rings false right? I'm not a streamer on Twitch. I'm an interested party who is interested in streaming in general. I will, of course, give my ba- my tilts, my biases. If you didn't know this, 
I'm a YouTube video maker. You probably do since you're likely watching it on YouTube or through the platform or through a podcast that references YouTube. But I will announce that I do stream, I do video on what amounts to a competing service. And I have evaluated Twitch and found some of their partner terms to be not what I want to enter into. So we'll talk about that with that as your understanding. This morning, we reached out to a subset of streamers about some upcoming changes to their agreement terms. So this is designed to make it sound like it's small. This blog gives us an opportunity to be clear with all streamers on Twitch about those changes and talk more broadly about our strategy to help streamers make more money on our service. Okay, well, that's interesting because what this is going to feature is a cut in money. So let's really evaluate this carefully. Streamers are and always will be the foundation of our global community. It's your passion, hard work, and creativity that make Twitch the one-of-a-kind place that it is. To bring it back around more directly to this blog's topic, we can't run this service unless you make money. This is an important line for any future labor initiatives that anyone might want to undertake vis-a-vis the Twitch or any other streaming or video creation platform, which is they are set up to share revenues with you. And if, for instance, everyone that was affected by this particular change were to say, well, I'm going to reduce my work output concordantly, then, yep, that could be effective against a platform move like this one. That's not a drawback. It's by design. And indeed, I'm in favor of contracts like this. I've talked about it in virtual legality in the past. I like it when people have the same incentives. They're aligned to get you out there and making money for them. You're aligned to go make money. Everybody's a winner, except when they alter the deal. This innate partnership is why we support all streamers' careers and ambitions like they're our own don't really believe that, but it's a nice puffery. Before we talk about what's happening next, we need to share some information for context for subscriptions. And this is predominantly about subscription revenue, not ad revenue. That's kind of an important part to to piece together from all of this. For subscriptions, we use a baseline revenue share of 50-50 on the net revenue from those earnings. Now, there's a couple of things happening here, right? So one, so you, you go and you buy a subscription to somebody on Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or wherever else you're getting a membership. And we've got members here. Check it out. Hit that button. You know the, the deal then you're going to share some of that amount with the platform. There's a couple of things happening in this sentence, though. First is it's net revenue. So they're already, at least by the normal definitions of the word net, they are already netting the revenue that you make from that $5, let's say, and taking out their costs and expenses and whatever else. Then they're taking that net revenue and they're sharing with you you on a 50-50 basis. Now, that means if somebody gives you $5, they're actually giving Jeff Bezos $250 and they're giving you $250, maybe. Could be less than that because we don't know what net is doing in this particular definition. And for the most part, people that earn money on these platforms are getting a kind of black box, unaudited approach. Here's the money that we owe you and be happy with it. And that's not great. And we'll talk about that a little bit more fulsomely as part of our discussion of this message. But it does mean that you are making a lot of money if you're Twitch, at least in revenue. They're going to talk about the costs that it takes them to keep up their service, which are a little bit disingenuous. We'll, we'll talk about that as well. But it's important to note that so much of your money, if you are a platform content creator, is going to the platform itself and not into your pockets. To give a little bit of additional context to this, as long as we're giving context, understand that Epic sued Apple because 30%, a 70-30 split, was they, in their opinion, deemed to be too high and to be anti-competitive. And 70-30 is the standard. Epic actually offers through their own store for people that make video games for them. I believe it's an 88 and a half 
uh, percent uh, share of the revenues that they, they gain. And that could be changing. It might be 87 and a half, I think now. I think it's 12 and a half for them. And that they deem to be more competitive. By comparison, despite the fact that you might spend hours and hours and hours and hours of making content for Twitch or for YouTube, let's not leave my parent here out of this, you are going to give a huge chunk of that money to the platform, which they say is needed because they are otherwise offering you access for free. Now, much like Apple explaining to Epic that they offer their access for free or for a minimal charge as well, and that means that the higher value clients that they have, the people that are actually selling things like Fortnite V-Bucks are subsidizing those that are getting on that platform for free and not selling. That does mean that if you are making money on one of these services, you are subsidizing the people that aren't. And that's a choice that they made in the business model. That's going to be largely acceptable for a lot of people that make content, but it's important to note because what they're going to do is they're going to try to defend that split, which is frankly almost undefendable. Yes, they provide a platform. Yes, they provide links. You're doing the work and they get 50% of the cut. This isn't the kind of thing that flies in almost any industry on earth, but has become something of a standard for content creation and software platforms on the internet. The vast majority of Twitch streamers have these terms in their agreement. However, for some time, we did offer standard agreements with quote-unquote premium subscription terms to select streamers as they grew larger. And this is kind of normal. Let's take a step back to talk about this because we've actually seen how normal this is in the way people that create platforms think about them. When we saw Steam move, and this is actually in response again to Epic versus Apple and Epic existing, we saw Steam move very recently to change their ratios, right? I said it was 70-30. That's not quite accurate. They have this press release that I will pull up right now that says, we've created new revenue share tiers for games that hit certain revenue levels starting in October of 2018, so four years ago. When a game makes over $10 million on Steam, the revenue share for that application will adjust to 75.25 on earnings beyond that $10 million. At 50 million, the revenue share will adjust to 80.20 on earnings beyond that $50 million. It includes everything that you sell on our service. What does that mean? Why does it exist? It means that if you are a platform, you have these fixed costs. Things are expensive to run, to market, to manage. That makes sense. But as somebody becomes more and more successful using your services, that cost doesn't increase on a linear scale. So it makes more sense for them to give you more money because you're more valuable in actual real dollars to them and you cost less when actually placed against all the money that you were making. So it makes sense to go down and down and down. So when Twitch says, well, we thought about this and for select streamers that were making us a lot of money, we want you to have a more incentive to provide video to us because we're ultimately not going to be spending as much on you as we were to the 6,000 people that have one viewer at a time and don't make any money at all. So we give you these premium subscription terms at a 70-30 basis. And then today, what we're going to announce is we're taking that away. This isn't something we've talked about publicly, but such deals are common knowledge within the streamer community. Historically, we didn't have a consistent framework to determine who would receive these deals and when. Sounds like a personal problem to me. Over a year ago, we made the decision to begin to stop offering these premium agreements to new streamers not already on these terms. Now understand, what we're going to talk about with respect to Twitch here is that they are showing signs of a real problem in their business model. And this is perhaps the first one of those. They're reducing what is already out there per this blog post, but they stopped offering these at all over a year ago. Now, what does that match up with? That matches up with the pandemic spike and the fall down. 
That also matches up with the fact that we will talk about. They are owned by a parent company that really isn't in the business of making video game streaming content and probably doesn't understand exactly how this is supposed to be very lucrative for them and could potentially put their resources into some other bucket to try to make more money. So we'll talk about the Amazon financials as part of this video as well. But they stopped doing this over a year ago because they feel 50-50 is entirely fair. Hmm, is it? As we reflected on how we handled these premium deals, we realized a few problems. First, we had not been transparent about the existence of such deals. It's pretty normal to have side letter or other advantageous agreements. Nobody ever offered me Ninja's exclusivity deal, as a for instance. Second, we were not consistent in qualification criteria, and they generally went to larger streamers. Larger streamers that make us more money, that we want to incentivize to have large streams. I don't know anything about this individual that is the president of Twitch that is writing this, but the economics line up for giving your most valuable assets, the streamers that are popular, the best deals. Finally, we don't believe it's right for those on standard contracts to have varied revenue shares based on the size of the streamer. B.S. So this paragraph is being used to try to justify the reduction in the people that are most valuable to them because of equitable concepts. Well, it's just unfair that you're getting a bigger cut, even though our costs actually go down relative to the amount of money and time that you are making for us with our service. In an ideal world, all streamers would be on the same set of terms regardless of size. Ideal for whom? However, instituting that policy would have a negative impact on the streamers currently on these terms, many of whom were instrumental in helping us build the Twitch we know today. These streamers have come to depend on the additional revenue split to maintain their standard of living. They've come to expect the amount that you told them they would be paid. Yes, I think this is a fair assumption. For these streamers still on these premium deals, we're adjusting the deal, pray they do not alter it further, so that they retain their 70-30 revenue split for the first $100,000 earned through subscription revenue before bouncing down to 50-50 after the $100,000 revenue split. Remember, this is the opposite of what the actual cost structure and value of these contracts and people, these streamers are, to Twitch. This is bass-ackwards economics that Twitch is putting in place. Why? Because they're looking to save some money. That's what's happening here behind the scenes. We're announcing this change now, but it won't go into effect until after June 1st, 2023. After that point, streamers will only be affected once their existing contract is up for renewal. I mean, it's a good thing they aren't trying to unilaterally amend a two-party contract. That's nice. All streamers with these terms have already received this information and more via email, and we will make sure to give them exact updates and timelines as we get closer to June 1st, 2023. For approximately 90% of streamers on these standard agreements with premium subscription terms, this change will not affect them at their current revenue. So... Another six things to unpack here. First of all, this is an acknowledgement that even when we agree to these contracts, the vast majority of you aren't making anywhere near six figures. This is a death knell in and of itself. Secondly, it ignores the fact that this change will not affect them at their current revenue, but their incentives, the structure of these contracts was to say, hey, you should be putting more time and effort into actually providing content for us so that you can go and get those higher terms, right? So that you can go and you can get 70%. This will say, hey, you're going to keep that 70% for 100,000, but you're going to actually go down if you make us more money. You're going to go down if you make us more money. That's what Twitch has put into place. For those who are affected, we wanted to make sure the impact was minimal, not just by giving them ample time before the deal goes into effect, but also by offering an alternative way to earn revenue. 
One, a recent bump in ads revenue share to 55% as part of the ads incentive program is a great way for these larger streamers to make up most, if not all, of that revenue. For those that are interested in additional detail, we've provided a copy of the email that we've sent to some of these streamers explaining the change and how it affects them below. This is a trick that Twitch will put into a couple of its paragraphs. But one, they know that they're reducing this money. They're taking anybody that makes more than six figures on Twitch and they're taking them down from 70-30 to 50-50 on that higher amount. And instead of saying, well, you've got our 55%, so that's better for you, they say that it's a great way to try to make up what we just took from you. And no, Twitch... You get no credit from me for that. First of all, if you go and you look at YouTube ad splits, and it's very difficult to actually nail it down as a number from YouTube. So I'm pulling up this Verge article about using licensed music on YouTube. You can see that the share revenue of ads is actually 55-45 on YouTube as it stands. Now, I don't like that. I'm going to tell you, I don't think YouTube earns its 45% for even the stuff that I do here. And we'll talk about ways that creators can get around some of these platform fees and potentially keep the lights on for what they want to do here, either as livelihood or as a substantial part of that livelihood. But that's what YouTube does. So Twitch moving to that number, not too terribly exciting. Then saying, well, you can use it to make up what we've taken from you. I'm not going to be compelled by that very much at all, Twitch. It's a reality of our business that we will, in rare cases, continue to negotiate custom agreements on a case-by-case basis. You're not ninja, folks. However, we have been reducing how often we offer those deals and the total value of those deals. Now let's get to the big question. Well, before we do, let's point out that they already used a paragraph that said, well, one of our problems is that we just weren't transparent that these things existed. And then they finished with a paragraph that says, essentially, we're still going to do side deals. We're still going to do side letters. We're still going to do exclusivity. Somebody might get a better rate than us if we're trying to woo them over. And that's not wrong. That's entirely right, Twitch. That's how you run a business of this type. But it does put paid to the lie that everything up here is basically just gilding the lily for we're going to take money from you and we're going to take incentives away from you for getting more than $100,000 off of our service which is exactly the opposite of what you should want to incentivize your content creators to do. Now, a number of you asked for more money. Why was that? When we first established a 50-50 revenue share split, it was to signal that we're in this together. As if any revenue split doesn't signal a certain likeness of incentive and design to go in the same direction. It certainly doesn't need to be 50-50. It's just a nice number that looks appealing to some folks that maybe don't negotiate business dealings for a living. Oh, well, that's not me. And you took advantage of that to get to that 50-50 level. And now you're reestablishing it in an attempt to get more money for your coffers or more specifically for Amazons. You all do the amazing work you do to create great content, engage with your audience and grow communities. True. But on our side of the partnership, it's our responsibility to make continuous investments in the products and people that make your growth possible. Hmm. Interesting. At the time of this posting, more than 22,000 of you have weighed in on user voice asking us to move all streamers to 7030 and to pay streamers faster. Uh, let's chat about that latter part first. As you probably heard by now, we're in the middle of rolling out the largest change to payouts in years by cutting the payout threshold in half to $50. This is an important middle step that will help streamers put money in their pockets now, while getting us closer to our goal of same-day payouts and lower thresholds. So we're moving to $50 payout threshold, and I guess they're advocating that they're going to move towards more, uh, lesser amounts quicker. 
Investments like this are paying off for streamers. Products like Prime Subs, Community Gifting, Hype Train, and the Ads Incentive Program, to name a few, have driven an increase of 27% more streamer revenue per viewer hour every year over the last five years. This means the same viewer hour now earns you three times more money than it did five years ago on average. Now, those averages have to be all over the place because I can assure you that growth didn't happen at exactly a 27% clip for each of the last five years. Our investments into your monetization options have already and continue to put more money into streamers' pockets than 20% more sub-revenue share would have. And this is the same trick that I mentioned earlier in this particular statement, right? This is the, whoa, 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 you're, you're asking for 70%, but we've already done stuff that would make you more than 70%. It's like, we've already increased ads to 55%. That'll make up for the loss in going from 70 to 50. You've already made more money with whatever our incentive structure did with all these various things, except that you didn't, right? Because if you got 70-30 instead of 50-50, that number would have been even higher for you as a content creator, which is something that Twitch darn well knows. And they're just trying to throw numbers at you and otherwise confuse what is, well, you've already gotten these things. So who really needs 70-30 anyway? The implication of this sentence being that in order to get 70-30, you would have had to give these things up, which for the most part are things like incentive structures and moving numbers on a page in a contract in any event. But all of this should be raising red flags and ringing alarm bells for you because it is strongly suggestive of a Twitch that doesn't quite know how its bottom line is going to be received for the next few years. Prime subs often get lost in the conversation when it comes to revenue share. For Prime subs, we pay streamers the same amount they'd receive for a regular subscription, even though it is included as an added benefit of their Prime subscription. So note the first kind of deception here. They are indicating that nobody is paying for Prime subscriptions on Twitch. It is an added benefit of their Prime subscription, as if you couldn't otherwise parse out the things that you get when you purchase Amazon Prime as having value attributed to the fact, hey, I use Twitch, I'd love to have one of those free subscriptions. You're not paying for it, it's just an added benefit. And they need to frame it that way because they are going to charge $0 against whatever money they received for Amazon Prime and the Prime subscription itself. Combined with other monetization products, Prime subs increase your effective revenue share by approximately 15% to about 65% total, which is flat out false. It depends on the notion that Amazon didn't get any money for its Amazon Prime subscriptions, or more specifically, that it didn't get any money that it can attribute to giving you the ability to subscribe to someone on Twitch, which is an odd way to frame your service if you don't think that bonus is bringing in anybody at all. So Amazon is collecting huge amounts of money for their Amazon Prime service on the whole, charging $0 of it to giving away a Prime subscription and then trying to use that to judge you and say that you are actually getting 65% because we're taking so much cheap subscriptions and that's helping to get you more money. It's just not the facts. Amazon made money on giving out those Prime subscriptions. Was it a 50-50 share? Almost certainly not, but was it zero? No, not even close. This number varies by streamer size and location and how many Prime subscriptions they're getting, but subscription revenue share is not the full picture on revenue share for streamers. Hmm. Lastly, we have to talk about the cost of our service. Let's, Amazon, because this is important to note as well. If we go and look at how Twitch is actually described, we don't see Amazon telling us basically anything. And I apologize for the smallness of this text. Maybe I can raise it a little bit here. Twitch, as a term, is only used twice 
in their financial statements. In the description of the business, they say, we seek to be Earth's most customer-centric company. In each of our segments, we serve our primary customer sets consisting of consumers, sellers, developers, enterprises, content creators, advertisers, and employees. We serve consumers through our online and physical stores and focus on selection, price, and convenience. We offer programs that enable sellers to grow their businesses, sell their products in our stores, and fulfill orders through us, and programs that allow authors, musicians, filmmakers, Twitch streamers, skill and app developers, and others to publish and sell their content. Similarly, when talking about content creators, they just mentioned the same list of people that they quote unquote serve, and in their actual income statement, it isn't broken out by streamers at all. We see net sales from Amazon in the tens of thousands of millions for both subscription services and advertising services, but that includes everything else that Amazon does. So it becomes very, very difficult to even see what Twitch is all about. Now, you do have other services that try to put all this stuff together. This is the business of apps. But when they say some values are estimated, boy, did they mean it. These numbers are practically pulled from thin air. Did they make $2,675 million? In 2021, I don't know. I can't tell you. And what's the cost of that service? What are the costs of goods sold? Whatever else you want to frame that as, as an accounting term, we have no idea. And so we're left kind of stuck trying to figure out what this model is while Twitch tells you whatever it is that they want to tell you. This last paragraph might be the worst in the entire statement. And it goes the following. Lastly, we have to talk about the cost of our service. Delivering high definition, low latency, always available live video to nearly every corner of the world is expensive. No doubt. Using the published rates from Amazon Web Services Interactive Video Service, which is essentially Twitch video, live video costs for 100 concurrent users who stream 200 hours a month are more than $1,000. We don't typically talk about this because, frankly, you shouldn't have to think about it. We'd rather you focus on doing what you do best. But to fully answer the question of why not 7030, Ignoring the high cost of delivering the Twitch service would have meant giving you an incomplete answer. But again, we arrive, unfortunately, at that's complete BS, Twitch. Because what are they actually saying in this paragraph? Well, they're saying that if you want to go and purchase their service, their Amazon interactive video service to allow you to have live streaming to various points and places on Earth, well, then you'll pay them this amount of money. But here's the trick. What you pay Amazon is not the cost that they spend to provide it, or else they are the worst company on earth. Imagine, if you will, a toy store that sells you, oh, I don't know, little army men in a bucket. And those little army men are sold to you for $3. Do you think that the toy store spent $3 buying those little army men? If they did, they're going out of business butt quick because they're not actually making any money on that transaction. So to use the rack rate, the list price of what it costs to actually purchase this from Amazon, from Twitch, as the cost that they spend to justify cutting the legs off of the top end streamers that make them the most money is absurd. It is, like we've talked about in this message, uneconomical. At best, bass backwards. It has to cost less money for Amazon to provide these services, or they would never offer them at retail for the prices that are included on that list. So we have lies, 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 damn statistics, and more lies all throughout this message in order to get to a place where they hope streamers, especially the top end streamers that can wield the most followers and leave if they want to, that they can accept that they are going to be getting 20% less 
on the subscribers that make them more than that six-figure baseline. And you might say, Rick, well, that's a problem for the rich, isn't it? Yes, but it's also a problem for Twitch because those are the people that make them money. And if this platform fails and you like it, well, then this is the kind of decision that is going to result in you not having a place that you like to stream. Because if you are not making $100,000 for them, maybe you don't have to worry about these actions, but the entire platform shows across this entire message that they have a lot of worries to what they can succeed at in the long-term period. What's next? When someone asks me why Twitch is the best place to make money as a streamer, my answer starts first and foremost with community. Community on Twitch is real and tangible from chat memes to subscriber emotes to TwitchCon meetups and yes, to how streamers earn money. That's partially because of our work to equip you with the right tools, but it's primarily because streamers like you are putting yourselves out there, embracing what you're most passionate about and building communities now for the substantial less amount of money and less incentive to make us at Twitch money. We believe we have the most compelling offer for streamers and there's still more we can do. The best Twitch is the one we build together and your feedback helps us evolve in the right direction. As always, if you have any feedback, the best place to share it is Twitch user voice. I'll pass on that, but I will make this video. Thank you for your time. Thank you for yours, Dan Clancy. But I think that Twitch streamers should be very concerned about what they are seeing with this. They should be very concerned about a whole host of things that we have seen from Twitch in the last little while. But on this, cutting the knees off of their most lucrative streamers is an indication that they are floundering and that they are searching for any way to make their bottom line work, either because of Amazon pressure or otherwise. And I fear for this service because this is the exact opposite way to handle it. As Devin says here at the end of his Twitch thread or Twitter thread, streamers should think about a service like Patreon that charges an 8 or 12% split instead of a 50% one. Twitch's split remains one of the highest on all social platforms. Broadcasters can take home more by diversifying their offerings to more price competitive platforms. And on that, I can only say, Devin, I think you are absolutely right. So if you like conversations like this on YouTube, please consider supporting the channel. Utreon gets us the most money, even a lower percentage than you just saw Devin quote for Patreon. But if you like Patreon better, you can support us that way. And many folks have. So one of the tiers on those platforms is a group support of the channel on the whole. And today's the time when we acknowledge those supporters. So today, thank you supporters, Brendan Coleman, Adam Kiniston, Hargit Chiney, Chillin' Joy, Falcus Vipus, Lady Emily, Lethal Firestring, Nord, Opal Studded Dagger, Sinfrog, and Raketsu86. And I want us to take a special moment out here. Nord, who you can see on this list, which is not the VPN provider, has been supporting the channel since we very started all of this support. Uh, and they're going to be stepping aside for right now. But I wanted to say thank you. Special thanks to Nord because they have been so supportive on this channel. Thanks to everybody who supports it. Whether you're doing it this way through Utreon, through Patreon, or just subscribing, telling your friends, upvoting and downvoting. As you can see, it is a tumultuous time in the world of video on demand and streaming video and Twitch backstopped by one of the biggest companies on earth seems to be re-examining every premise on which it delivers video. So if you do like this, all of this support counts. Please do share it. If you're a Twitch streamer, if you're otherwise involved in this community, hell, if you're Devin Nash, share this around. I think this is useful information and people should be aware of the fact that Twitch is playing fast and loose, both with its gambling notification and with the amount that it's taking from streamers. I think it's important. I think it should be shared around. If you can help me do that, I would really appreciate it. If you did catch this on YouTube, thank you so much for watching. And if you listen to it as a podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I will catch you on the very next episode of Virtual Legality. Virtual Legality is a YouTube video series with audio podcast versions presented as commentary and for education and entertainment purposes only. 
It does not constitute legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. If you have legal questions about the topics discussed, please consult your own legal counsel.